0: Josh, what are you doing by that ledge? Oh,
1: hey Emily. I'm just looking at this blue stuff down there. It's beautiful. Oh, let me see. Oh, that's water. It is? Can we drink it? I'm thirsty. I doubt it. Well, I'm gonna take a dip anyways.
0: Wait, Josh. What is it? I'm not sure if we can swim in this game. You might die as soon as you hit the water. Or you might fall through to the bottom of the screen, straight to your doom. What the heck? Then again, we might need to swim to get to the next checkpoint.
1: Man, video games are confusing.
0: Why don't you put some tunes on the jukebox, and I'll see if I can find the instruction manual somewhere.
1: Sounds like a plan. Hey
0: everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Emily. And I'm Josh.
1: Each week, we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials.
0: Alright. Our first recommendation comes from patron Electric Boogaloo. The game is Sega Rally Championship. This was for the Sega Saturn. Composers Takanobu Mitsuyoshi and Naofumi Hataya. And the track is Reckless Running. Let's go. Electric Boogaloo says, Hey guys! After suggesting a handful of mostly PS1 tracks, might as well send some awesome Sega music your way. So, when I got my Sega Saturn a few years ago, Sega Rally was one of the first games I bought for it. Since then, I've been trying to get a complete collection of Model 2 arcade conversions for the console, like Daytona USA, Last Bronx, and Virtua Cop. There's still a few games I need to get a complete set, but I'm confident that I'm going to reach that goal. While Sega Rally on Saturn wasn't as graphically powerful as the arcade, it's one of the best-looking games. The driving controls with finesse, and the extra features like the two-player split-screen mode, time attack mode, and unlockable car really added to the game. The best part of this version for me, though, is the updated soundtrack. The Saturn soundtrack, arranged by Takeyuki Hijikata, Takes Takanobu Mitsuyoshi's original arcade compositions and greatly expands them with a longer runtime and some extra guitar flair. Reckless Running, which plays during the practice mode, really brings out the heavy bass, the catchy synth, and powerful electric guitar that really encapsulates the hard rock and easygoing mixture that Sega Rally soundtrack brings. <clears throat> um, this track has a
1: nice, easy groove to it i kind of i kind of can't help but feel like i'm walking by like a uh, keyboard demo but there's like a guitar player uh and he's like controlling the keyboard at the same time and he's like showing you everything this keyboard can do and it's definitely daryl or daryl's (laughs) daryl's brother maybe
0: yeah, I you know I feel like this doesn't fit Daryl exactly, but it's some yes, it's someone related to Daryl. I feel like maybe yeah, Daryl's brother because I feel like Daryl goes to these shows and he's like, hmm, it's okay, I guess. It's just not. It's missing a certain uh, I think cheese factor that that Daryl would really enjoy. It's funny that you mentioned the guitar player with the keyboards though because. I'm 99% certain that the actual electric guitar in this is a keyboard because I've heard the same keyboard um, ear feel before and I've actually seen people in music videos playing it. So if you've ever watched a keyboardist play a guitar sample, it's, it's really funny. It does something weird to your brain to see somebody really like mashing at a keyboard and there's a guitar sound coming out. It also makes me wonder about all the things that are possible with a keyboard that aren't with an actual guitar that you can then achieve with the guitar sound. I think I just threw five ideas out there. Let's see what sticks. What's hm. stuck, Josh? Um nothing. Honey?
1: Is <laughs> sticky. Uh uh-huh. um mm-hmm. let's see jelly Mhm. A lot of things with like sugar and them are sticky. Is there anything mm-hmm. that's sticky that doesn't have like sugar in it?
0: I'm sure. I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. How do gum? you know it's not? I guess that's. You can have sugar-free gum. I guess.
1: You think gum is sticky? I think gum yeah. is gummy. Wait. It can I'll be take a, that point. It can be a little sticky.
0: I'll allow it. I'll concede. I'll concede.
1: What's Daryl's brother's name?
0: Hmm. Good question.
1: That's going to be the, I think that's going to be a sticking point through this episode. Yes. Yes. To name this person.
0: Well, here's the question.
1: Yeah.
0: What are Daryl's parents like? Because I feel like that's going to dictate whether they named the kids with some kind of theme or named them both with the same letter starting their names or if the brother's going to have a completely random name. Um, Daryl's
1: father was in the uh, men's choir and Daryl's mom was... A folk singer at coffee shops? Maybe something like that. Did they have a okay. musical background? I don't
0: know. So what I'm getting from that is either that Daryl's brother is going to have a super hippie name, like Starbeam. Starbeam. Or, or he's going to have some kind of Latin-sounding name, like Xavier, or something like that.
1: Starbeam...
0: Xavier Starbeam
1: (laughs) Wait, is Are they in a family where they put their last name first And their last name is Definitely Is it like definitely Xavier Or definitely Starbeam Definitely dad And definitely mom
0: (laughs) I really like this idea
1: That's a pretty cool
0: A last name, definitely Yeah. Mr. Definitely Or is their last name Please report to the office His first name is definitely his brother is absolutely not.
1: (laughs) Will I never? (laughs) Will I never, Daryl? Hey, patrons,
0: what do you think Daryl's brother's name is? You could throw it to the patrons to solve this. Although I do think that Xavier Starbeam actually sounds like a stage name of some kind. Like a... Oh, probably because it's making me think of Ziggy Stardust.
1: Oh, I thought you... By stage name, I thought you meant, like, the name of a level. <laughs> which I, no, no. I was pretty confused about
0: <laughs> No, that's funny. You were in the video game part of your brain, which makes a lot of sense. I will say that I do have an attachment to that electric guitar lead. I think the first time I heard... This kind of Sega sound was when I got the Dreamcast, so I have this sound very closely associated with Sonic Adventure. I thought maybe it was just a Sonic Adventure thing, but it seems like this was just the the soundscape zeitgeist of the times perhaps that there was a larger pattern that I wasn't aware of.
1: Yeah. This song sounds like it's playing in like a real estate video or something like that.
0: Really? Yeah. It's a really intense real estate video.
1: Yeah, it's just when they're doing like the uh, chopper views. I guess now they'd be in drones, but you see the whole neighborhood and like people surfing. Uh, you know, it's a like a really cool neighborhood.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. I get it. I get it.
1: Anyways. Let's discover this new real estate that was recommended to us by Ed, uh, or Ruiner 9. This game is Huzero or Who Zero. The track is Big Blue, the composers Arkin and Aetherbyte, and it's for the TurboGrafx-16 or PC Engine. And this one has an audio testimonial, so stick around for that.
2: So this is probably one of the most unique submissions uh, that I've ever put in for the show, and maybe that I've even heard on the show. It harkens back to episode 64, in which Josh and Emily talked about Road Rash. Uh, it was the first track of the show, and it was a Matt Furnace arrangement of a Rob Hubbard track. And you guys started talking about how it would be cool to hear different songs from different systems, but arranged for, you know, an alternate system on a game that it had never come out yet. And Josh specifically mentioned it would be cool to hear F-Zero on the TurboGrafx-16, and my eyes just lit up because literally that has happened before. So this genius programmer by the name of Chris Covell, he does a lot of stuff with the TurboGrafx-16, and what he did is he created this, he calls it a caravan edition of F-Zero, renamed Q-Zero after the Q cards on the TurboGrafx-16. He made uh, an almost pixel-perfect recreation of F-Zero on the TurboGrafx-16. It's only one level, and it's, like I said, caravan style, so you get two minutes to go as far as you can and get the highest score that you can and the car accelerates really quickly and goes really fast, and it's really hard to control once you get up to those high speeds. Anyways, in the background is this really excellent conversion of the F-Zero, and it's done super, super well on the TurboGrafx-16 PSG chip, and it's written by Arkin and Aetherbyte, and I tried to look up those guys on the web to get a little more information about them, but I haven't been able to find anything. Anyways, the song kicks butt. Uh, It's a lot of fun to play. It's a lot of fun to listen to. I think this is genuinely like uh, exactly what you guys were talking about, what a song would sound like on a different system had a game been ported to it, and uh, this is like an alternate reality in which F-Zero came out on the TurboGrafx-16. Hope you guys are interested in it, and I hope you guys enjoy it.
0: No, Ed, we hated it. (laughs) Um, Why would you submit something like
1: this? That's interesting. Yeah, I do remember having that conversation, and uh, as soon as I read Big Blue, I almost said, oh, this sounds, uh, you know, that sounds familiar, but I thought it must be a, uh, I don't know, a coincidence.
0: Right. Nope. Surprise! That's so cool that you were tapping into some kind of VGM... Lifestream when you just pulled that random game and random console out of the other. Yeah. And it was real! You've made dreams come true! Um.
1: Yep. I did it. I was actually using a potion during that episode. I don't know if you saw.
0: No, I didn't. Ah. Yeah. Have you been going through my stash?
1: No, I got this one off of a skeleton. A
3: dead okay, skeleton.
0: cool. Because I was going to say, I'm going to have to restock my inventory. Keep careful note of when things walk away.
1: What's weird is, like, I don't recognize this song as the one from the Super Nintendo game. Do you?
0: Oh, I do. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Oh, maybe I just don't know that one. I should check out this uh, whole soundtrack then. Big blue. the
0: uh, of of f0 or oh, cuz i there? think Ed, of who zero i think ed's saying that there's only this one track in it oh never mind i think that's what he's saying but what i find really interesting is that f0 is this beloved game it has an amazing soundtrack it surprises me that big blue tends to be the fan favorite there are tons of covers of it all over the internet mm. on youtube you can find tons of musicians it is the one tune i think that is not actually composed by Yumiko Kanki on the soundtrack. She did everything except this one piece. Uh. I just think that that's interesting, and I'm trying to figure out why people- because, I mean, I personally like other other tracks better. I think there are other tracks that define the game more than this one, so I'm actually just really curious um, from a human perspective as to why this one got lodged into people's brains. You know what I mean? You know, I can't remember the level. Maybe there's something really outstanding about the level. Or maybe people just really love the tune. You know, it might
1: also just be that name recognition. We were talking about names earlier. But um, I think Big Blue is a really cool name for a, a level in F-Zero. Mm. And maybe people just kind of remember that. What are the other stages called? Do you remember?
0: Um, I remember the names of the music. Mute City. Oh. The yeah, Silence. No. Um, Deathwind.
1: I think those Fire are the ones. Field. Okay, you're doing a good job, actually. Thank you. You actually just totally gave me that whiff of uh, F-Zero nostalgia right now. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah. I think when you said...
0: Mute City, or um, what was the other one you said? The Silence, Firefield, Deathwind. 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 Oh, man,
1: I really liked that game. It's a great game. Which uh, character did you play?
0: You know, I was just having this conversation with Ed not too long ago, and I cannot remember for the life of me which car it is that I use. I'd have to actually look at the game. I don't use the super fast car. And I don't use the super tank car. I use the one that's the second heaviest. I think that's the green one, right? The gold is the fastest. The pink is the slowest. Pink
1: is the slowest, but it picks up the most speed.
0: Right, I mean, right, right. yeah, has
1: highest. Uh, and then
0: there's the blue falcon, which is like the balanced one. Yeah. So it must be the green one that I use. I must use the green one.
1: That sounds good. I used to use the pink one, but... There would definitely be a kind of a... I'd kind of hit a wall with that one.
0: Right. Literally.
1: No. And then the match is over. There's no, no. walls in that game. There's only uh, those spicy meatballs on the side.
0: <laughs> those count as walls. I was using the term wall loosely. Okay. No, you're
1: right. There is, there's an invisible barrier, and then there are these... Uh, these things that suck your energy out if you get too close to them or whatever right
0: that game is one of the games that is one of those games that is fun even when you're doing really badly I love games that are just funny when you're doing badly one of my husband's favorite things to do is just to turn around and drive the the race the wrong way and just try to hit into every car and I don't know why that's so amusing but it's so funny to me I love it
1: It's a, it's an act of frustration and pure, full-on, just uh, disregard for the rules. It's like uh, punk rock inside of a video game.
0: I'm only not responding because I got lost in a memory that I was trying to make make sense, and I was thinking. Maybe I should talk about this. And I thought, nah, maybe not. It's not actually interesting. <laughs> well, but I got stuck in a loop in my head. What was it? Oh, I was just thinking that there. I was randomly remembering an arcade cabinet that I saw, I think, in an ice cream parlor on Long Beach Island, Camo Worms. Maybe you remember this. Mm. Um, and I think it was F Zero. I'm just. I remember seeing the gameplay, and I remember thinking. That I didn't understand why when I drove over certain parts of the road that like a little ship came down and went wob, 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 wob. And I hadn't thought about this in, I don't know, two decades. And Mm. now I'm realizing that must have been F-Zero, but did an F-Zero arcade game exist? Am I just confused?
1: I don't know if you're confused or not, but it was completely worth it to hear that story. Um just oh, sure. to hear you say wob wob wob.
0: <laughs> wob 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 wob
1: Yeah, it looks like there was an F Zero arcade game. Um I wonder if there's another game that has that function though.
0: I wonder. I wonder if it's actually a convention to have a power up ship drop down. That's interesting.
1: F Zero AX. It came out in two thousand four though.
0: Yeah, no, this couldn't have been it. Yeah. Well, anyway, maybe I'm confused. Maybe I saw a YouTube clip of this game and I just just now pasted it over the skeleton of a memory mm. and created a new reality. And now that I've said it, maybe Ed's going to write in and let me know that that really happened. So, yeah, he, awesome.
1: He was there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Long Beach Island.
0: Yep. All right. Well, while we wait for that dream to manifest, why don't we move on to our next track? This comes to us from patron Mega J. The game is Luigi's Mansion. The composers are Kazumi Totaka and Shinobu Tanaka. The console is the GameCube, and this is training. <laughs> Mega J writes, Bass.
1: Mega J knows what he's talking about. I hope you're listening (laughs) with headphones on. Um, But if not, just pump that volume. I feel like this is like the platonic ideal of bass. It's almost like I can hear every vibration that's happening. Bass is like a hundred, something like that. um, Vibrations per second, right?
0: Sure. I don't actually know. That's fascinating. Continue.
1: Let's find out. I want to know now. I'm not really 100% sure where bass starts, but it has to do with tonality in some cases, but also um, being on the bass clef, you have to be below a certain number of vibrations per second. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can feel
0: each one in this. There is a very interesting texture to that bass. It feels, it feels very strange to me. I'm still processing how, how I feel about this feeling. Mm -hmm. Cause it sounds almost like the triangle wave in an NES. I don't mean literally, but I just mean when I listen to the triangle wave in the NES, I feel like I'm hearing a bass note and then I'm hearing some kind of separate, fuzz on top of it. Fuzz is not the right word, Mm -hmm. but some kind of electrical grit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the distortion on this is doing the same thing. You hear the very deep bass notes, but then there's also grit on top of it.
1: The bass guitar can play, um, the, the G string on a bass guitar is 98 hertz, which is 98 vibrations per second. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the low E string is 41 hertz So like when you're playing the high G on a bass It might not be below the notes on a guitar So it's kind of questionably
0: bass Right, yeah way. But what did I guess? 50? 100 Did I say 100? Didn't you say 100? Yeah, you guessed 100 Maybe So I you were right 100. on the nose
1: Yeah, I guess I, w- I was okay I did. You okay. were 2
0: hertz off it's a 98, a plus.
1: Although, yeah, you're not supposed to be able to hear those individual vibrations, but something about this song makes me feel like I, I can.
0: So this track makes me think of a band that I actually went to see live. For my 18th birthday, my brother took me to the Bowery Ballroom in New York City. Because you can't get in there unless you're 18. So I turned 18 and he said, we're going and we're going to go see this band together. Because my brother's a musician and he would go into New York City all the time to see bands play. And we saw a band called... The New... No, wait a minute. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking out. I want to say New Order, but it's not New Order. What the heck am I thinking of? Well, I can tell you that the album name is Gone, Gone, Gone. Hold on a second.
1: Okay, I just have a question, maybe for you, but maybe the listener, too, while you look that up. Yeah. Who says Booyah at the beginning of this song? Is it like the Lakidu? Is it Luigi? Is it a shy guy? Who says Booyah?
0: That's a very interesting question. I'm not sure. It's not Luigi. It doesn't I don't sound think.
1: like Luigi.
0: All right, anyway, so the band was Oh my gosh, she just had it. We better be cutting this out cuz I feel like an idiot right now. Um Oh, I know. It's the new deal. Okay, that's what it is. Jeez, that took so long patrons if we cut that out that took way too long okay so anyway the band the new deal
1: <laughs> just to make it harder to cut out just yeah, reference right. it yeah. let me
0: just keep referencing it over and over again okay so the band so we went to see the band the new deal and the band consisted of three bandmates one was a drummer One was a bassist, and one, speaking of definitely Daryl, was a keyboardist who was surrounded on three sides by at least double-stacked keyboards. He was playing at least six different keyboards, and there were more. Oh, okay. And it was such an interesting show because I feel like the... This track reminds me of it so much because the drums were very tight and crisp and kind of... There wasn't a lot of filler on the drums Um, the drummer is great but you know not really just like keeping it real keeping it going not showing off or being too flashy i think of a bass guitar as being a very visceral and physical instrument and then on top of that you have a million different keyboard pads it was just a really interesting experience and patrons if you like this you might like their album gone 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 it's really really good so, that's my suggestion. I like that this track makes me think of that. Brings back good memories. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna guess that's a boo.
1: Oh, saying, uh, boo Oh yeah, yeah, cause he says boo.
0: And it just sounds cute and small. And it's totally not a dry bones sound. Does booya? I mean, does Boo say
1: anything else? <laughs> is Boo's name booya? Um...
0: Booyah the Boo.
1: I, no, I'm just wondering, like, in the context of the game, are there just little things that a Boo will say from time to time? Or is that the only incident of I uh, I
0: don't know. The- I wish that I've played more of Luigi's Mansion, but I have not. I know that this game is fabulous, but I have not picked it up, so I... And I love Luigi. Luigi is by far my my more favorite of the two Mario brothers. What am I doing with my life? I have to get this game. Yeah. It's got booze in it. It's got Luigi in it. It's got this awesome bass in it. What more do you need?
1: Yeah, what are you, crazy?
0: Did you know that there is an arcade cabinet of Luigi's Mansion? Do you know about the gameplay of this game? Do you know what you're doing in this game?
1: Um... You're busting ghosts?
0: Yes. With a, with a vacuum cleaner, I think. You're vacuuming up ghosts. And... One of our patrons, I want to say that it was Quality, aka Miss Echo, but I might be wrong but i'm going to say it was quality went to japan and reported that there was an arcade cabinet of this game that actually had like a vacuum cleaner attachment that you used somehow oh okay that's pretty cool i think on the scale of arcade peripherals that's a really good one
1: mm. um yeah i want to play the game kind of Nah, it's probably I can't lie. It's probably 28th on my list. It's probably <laughs> 56th on my list of games I want to play. I'm sure it's good though. Oh yeah. Um <clears throat> What what would you say how many games do you want to play before you want to play Luigi's Mansion? Oh, man. I'm probably giving it a raw deal, and just having this conversation makes me want to play Luigi's Mansion more. Right. But.
0: I mean, I'm going to say in terms of that question that I cannot answer that question because I, uh, my choices for what games I'm going to play next are so, um, context specific and capricious. Uh Uh-huh. I make them very close to when I start playing them, so I don't have a... I just have a list of games I want to play, and there is no order. Because at any time, one will just bubble up and be the one I've got to play right now. I
3: see. Because
0: planets align. And I'm kind of feeling like the planets are aligning on uh, Luigi's Mansion, I gotta say.
3: Hmm.
0: Maybe after the summer. Maybe for Halloween. (laughs) That might be kind of fun.
1: Yeah, dude. Okay, I just don't get the whole booyah thing. Still, I, I just
0: <laughs> he's Josh is fixated.
1: I just don't get it. Do these ghosts have like little toots? Like <laughs>
4: in your face, boy. Are they like <laughs> little toots?
1: Yeah. Anyways. Maybe
0: we should ask, uh, you know, Shaibu's cousins. Yeah. They've all got different personalities. There's that one with the tongue sticking out and the crossed eyes. You know
1: what it is? We just have to catch them while they're having their party. We have to sneak up on them while they're having their party, and we'll see what kind of party it is.
0: Yeah, we should do that. It I was going to say we could take a picture, but they're not going to show up on the film. So yeah. this is definitely going to be a we-have-to-observe-it situation. We haven't been back to the dungeon in a really long time. I mean, I'm just trusting that the boos are keeping the place up because they they so kindly took that real estate off of our hands, but, you know, I don't know what's going on down there. Yeah, they might be having booyah parties. Right. (laughs) Booyah. Maybe they've, like, completely renovated it in there, and we're going to get in, and it's going to look like HGTV, and I'm going to be like, guys, really, did you need granite countertops and stainless steel mashing appliances? When do you guys cook? Waste of money. (laughs) But they can do whatever they want with their cash, so... Who am I to say?
1: Well, I'm here to say, let's listen to this next track. It was recommended to us by Utopia Nemo. The game is Super Brothers, Sword and Sorcery. The track is Dark Flute. The composer, Jim Guthrie. And uh, the console is iPhone and perhaps other cell phones too. I don't know. Let's take a listen. Utopia Nemo writes, Let it be known that I'm not a mobile gamer. The touch interface of a smartphone is all sorts of wrong for most games. That said, when my brother told me about this game, I was intrigued enough to pick it up. Sword and Sorcery is a point and click ish adventure. The graphics feel like the character sprites of an Intellivision game, but rendered with a color palette. Of SNES. There's a sense of danger and pathos in the game, coupled with a wry and self-aware sense of humor. But as good as the rest of the game is, the music is that much better. I started playing this game on my breaks while doing contract work at an industrial complex that makes jet parts, while my co-workers prattled on about their cars or fantasy football. I would put in my earbuds and lose myself in this amazing world. I hadn't known of Jim Guthrie before this game, but I'm definitely a fan now. I recommend everyone who likes adventure pick up Sword and Sorcery. And even if you don't, get the OST. It's so good. They even made a tribute album with remixes by Mitsuru Yamane and Akira Yamaoka, among others. Again, I'm not big into mobile games, but I can recommend this game highly enough.
0: This track is good. It is good. Yeah. I'm doing that lawyer headbang to it. Oh, yeah. That slow, stately bob. I'm in the second part of the track right now where it kind kind of adds more layers. Yeah. That's
1: Utopia Nemo at his desk at the uh, at the Jet Park factory.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Have you heard about the latest car car? I only play fantasy football. My team's doing amazing. And then Utopia Nemo's just at his desk. Doom. Doom. Hopefully he has long hair. I, you know. I, I just hope his hair is long enough that it touches the desk when he headbangs. Does the lawyer? Right. Holiday. Yeah, it just has to be that long.
0: Or he's that far down to the desk that even if it's not that long, it's still yeah. brushing the desk. That was really funny that you gave all of his coworkers an English accent. I was imagining that every single one of them had a monocle. Yeah. But not Utopia Nemo. He's keeping it real. With his sword and sorcery game. Yeah. He doesn't need those affectations. Actually, you know, real talk for a second. I would love a monocle if I actually needed one, but... Both my eyes are bad, so... I need two. And when you have two, they're no longer monocles. So I'm looking at the cover of what I assume is the CD release of the OST. And it's this beautiful pixelated picture of... Forests and what looks like some stone castle parts that have been grown over. And then a pile of amplifiers in the center with what looks like an arcade cabinet sitting on top of them. And I like this. This kind of makes me think about how, you know, we were talking about medieval games last episode, and I was thinking about the association of video game music to the medieval setting, because video game music is really kind of the antithesis of the medieval setting, but it's what you had, so it got put together. And I feel like this picture is somehow representing that combination in a way that points out how incongruous they are, but how there is a relationship there, if that Uh, makes sense. um, Do you know what I mean? Yes Like you're you're walking around an RPG village mm. Set in medieval times But you're listening to chip music mm. And your belief is suspended within the game So that makes sense to you But if you really step back and think about it If you literally think about putting video game music You know, if you went to a renaissance fair, let's say huh. You know, and everyone was playing video game type music Sounds so cool that would be really cool. I think well, we should do that. Yeah. But we'd have PGM JB. We pl-
1: would we play what? it on like those old instruments and stuff?
0: Oh no! See, I was thinking that it would be the electronic type music oh. that but you'd be—you'd have people dressed up in, uh, mm. you know, robes and stuff, but playing chip tune.
1: <laughs> we could do that, but it would have to be like powered by a bicycle or something like that. I don't, or like, uh.
0: Right, right, so you can roam around. We can't bring batteries. Right.
1: So, through medieval means, and I don't know how we'd use a, a, a chip board either. We'd have to make our own out of wood and uh, stuff like that. Wait, it's impossible, huh?
0: Well, I mean, my favorite excuse when going to Renfair situations, you know, speaking of my bad eyesight, I wear glasses when you go to a renaissance fair and you're wearing glasses, you know, you're already a walking anachronism, so the oh, yeah. excuse is typically, I got them off a wizard, oh, or sure. a wizard gave them to me or something, so maybe I could create a character for the society of creative anachronism hmm. and be some kind of sorcerer that uses magic to create chip music. But I like that you brought up the other way around, because... That would be cool, too. I'm sure that people at Renaissance Fairs playing actual instruments sneak in some video game tunes, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. There's
0: got to be a lot of Zelda going on there.
1: Well, I I think it all works aesthetically, to go back to your original point, because, you know, you're looking at a bush that is 16 by 16 pixels or something like that. Right. So the fact that the music has a... uh, a less acoustic sound it all works it is funny though to think about that to travel back in time by using the most cutting-edge technology and then having it sound like it's kind of like from the future or something like that mm-hmm. um i just want to say a couple things about mobile gamings please do i am not a mobile gamer let it be known. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, um, I was going to
0: say, I was just giving you this
1: look. I just wanted to uh, say what mobile games that I have been playing lately. And I kind of meant to bring them up before, but I just forgot. I'm not a huge mobile gamer, honestly. Um, I don't just download a bunch of games and then see which ones I like. But the other day, I really wanted to play like a uh, tower defense game. Yep. It was actually about a month or two ago, and uh, I just stayed up at night listening to podcasts and playing tower defense games, and I was so happy.
0: <laughs> That's adorable.
1: It's a very—if you know what a tower defense game is—it's very simple. Uh, It requires some strategy and I often get that strategy wrong, maybe just for the lack of time that I spend on it or just uh, the lack of intelligence that I have, but when you get a good flow in those games and uh, your enemies start just falling like so much chaff, (laughs) I guess, it's very satisfying Also Ninja Spinky is very good And it has some tunes that I almost Want to play for this show And probably I will uh, That's made by the guy who made Flappy Bird Now he made like a ninja game It's pretty cool uh, Actually a ninja training game And uh, that's it really
0: So you like Tower Defense huh?
1: Tower Defense brings me back to college, I guess. College days and this one really bad job that I had where we're just taking calls. Um,
0: (laughs) And everyone who called you was like, let me tell you about my new car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. They would
1: just call up and they'd be like, yo, what's your fantasy football team? (laughs)
0: You'd have to take the call. You'd have to humor them. Yeah. Pretend like you cared.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great defensive line, sir.
0: (laughs) Uh, That makes me so sad. That image (laughs) of Josh being forced through that is so sad. Okay, sorry. Continue. No, that's all.
1: I almost forgot that tower defense... I, I most of the time forget that they exist but at certain moments when you just really want to veg out it's really fun to play tower defense games and tr- try to eat like nachos from a pm while you do so and try to like watch a anime at the it, I'll do all three things at the same time you'll be so happy not thats it doesn't have to be anime just whatever you
0: like Is that the authentic? Josh Adachi experience? No, it's
1: maybe. It's just a garbage experience that I wouldn't say it's my experience because actually my boss had this idea. <laughs> One day he's like, let's go to AMPM. He was at my worked at my terrible job. Let's go to AMPM. We'll uh we'll go to Newgrounds and put up some Tower Defense games and then we'll watch uh Fatal Fury, the movie. And I'm like, Wow. That sounds so awful and so great, <laughs> and um, but I'm not very much like that guy actually. I don't know.
0: Only I like the story.
1: Yeah, I had gas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good ending. That That was like the... And then I found $5 ending. You're supposed to put on a story to make it good. (laughs) And then I had indigestion. Yeah. Then my stomach hurt. So in terms of mobile gaming, I kind of have a question about this. Oh, okay. So when no one in the world says... I'm a huge mobile gamer. All anyone ever says is, I'm not a mobile gamer. What is the line between huge mobile gamer and not? Because I would think like in your example, Josh, you play Pokemon Go all the time. It's a defining thing for you right now. I would say that you're a huge mobile gamer, but it sounded like you were making a line between people who download a bunch of junk. Out of desperation? No, no, no. To try no. to find something good.
1: I, the thing, I'm not saying out of desperation, but just like I never try to find anything good. Oh, okay. I'll hear that, like, oh, people are like, oh, Clash of Clans is really good or something, and then I just don't care, you know, or like right. uh, Candy Crush. I don't care. I'm not going to download it. But it's just once in a while, something will work you out. Right. On that platform.
3: But,
0: but are those people necessarily... Are huge mobile gamers defined by the the gamut of games they know and play? So if you play one, but you play it all the time, are you not a huge... I think oh, this yeah. is just getting at... I see what you mean. What this is getting at is uh, kind of like gatekeeping mm-hmm. and how um, it can be confusing and sometimes pointless when people try to draw... These lines about... There's
1: almost no gatekeeper, though, for the mobile game hardcore fans. Yeah. There's nobody going to be like, no way, dude. You don't play mobile games like I play mobile games. Because oh, nobody no. wants that's to true, be that but every, guy.
0: Right. Well, that's true. Every, the gatekeeping is when people try to keep the mobile gamers out. When they're saying oh, you're what not... You're saying, yeah. That's not real video gaming. It's just Candy Crush. You know, that kind of thing.
1: I would say... A lot of times that feels accurate. There are some good mobile games that remind me more of the old, old arcade games. And that has, I think, a degree of, uh, I don't know, cachet. Or it could potentially have cachet. It's kind of like games where you're on a bike and you have to jump over puddles or something in a way that feels reminiscent to Super Mario Brothers or something like that. Right. That could be... That has cachet in in a certain way because it's like Twitch gaming. But so much mobile gaming is kind of like Tower Defense but on this like super grand scale where you're waiting for all these different little updates that you're trying to do and you have to wait like eight hours to get eight coins so you can buy uh, a new house or something like that and then like oh now that i got this new house now i can uh make this new man and now that i made this new man now i can build this other building and like it's kind of like this weird waiting thing that they're always trying to make you just spend money
0: i guess right i was like
1: do you want to wait eight hours or just give me two bucks and, uh, and I get it. so much of mobile gaming is that, that it's, I think, embarrassing to be a part of it.
0: So, all right, so here's my question off of that, though. What, what is the difference between paying a mobile game so you can do something and putting quarters into an arcade machine to continue your game when you lose your lives? Isn't that the same kind of transaction? And I I like that you made that comparison between old school arcade games and mobile games because that's what I think. I think that mobile games are closer to arcade games than anything else. And the arcade scene is so intense and people are revered who are great at those games. And I just feel like those two things are just very, very similar. I mean, there is a, a monetary nature to being good at an arcade game, right? If you only have a buck to spend, but I have five bucks to spend, I'm going to get better at an arcade game than you because I'm going to get more practice.
1: Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think there is a fundamental difference, though, between just to go back to what you said at the beginning where you said, Yeah, yeah. isn't it different to put in money to play a game versus uh, in an, or isn't it the same to put in money to play an arcade game versus what you're doing on a mobile game? On the mobile game, actually... So the arcade game, it's like, put in 25 cents and prove your skill. But in a mobile game, it's like, put in a dollar and make this easier on yourself. You know, it's a little different.
0: I see it. I I see how it's different, but I also see how it's the same, because to be hard on yourself with an arcade game would be to start from the beginning every time you lose instead of just picking right up where you left off because you had a quarter. You know what I mean? This is just something I think oh, about yeah. a lot. I just think it's uh, it's an interesting thing to consider. It never occurred to me before that people who had more money to spend would get better at an arcade game before. It just never occurred to me until a couple months ago. So I've just been mulling it over. Sorry to drag you through that whole thing. <laughs> I'm actually really interested in it. Oh, no, that,
1: no, I was thinking about that. That's interesting. But then, okay, so then what will happen is the person who gets really good at the arcade game suddenly doesn't have to spend as much money to score as high. But the person who got good at the mobile game depends on the mobile game, first of all. Like I said, there are, like, Twitch games on the mobile. and But there are also just, like, these weird games that feed into your... Desire to just watch things happen. Okay. And you can't replicate. Um, I don't know. Actually, I could be wrong because Clash of Clans is supposed to be cool. I don't know. But I was gonna say you can't replicate that experience of um, showing your skill by spending money in a mobile game. But I, mm. but then again, I'm probably wrong because like StarCraft was like a lot of mobile games just without. The monetary transaction, or right. without the microtransactions.
0: I think so what I we're know. discovering here is that if you want to be good at a mobile game, there's always a path to be good, because you can always pay to get some kind of perk. But to be really good at an arcade game, you need like a startup fund. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you want to become a world champion in an arcade game, start up a GoFundMe. And tell everybody that you want to be the next person to max out joust, but you need to have enough quarters to get there. (laughs) And just let the cash start rolling in.
1: I think what we also found out is that we really have no problem listening to this game, to this song. It's so good. On loop for, I don't know how long, like
0: 15 minutes now? It was a long conversation, and the entire time I was kind of just bobbing to it.
1: You know what, though? I am going to check this game out because I'm not anti-mobile gaming. Surely I'm not. So I'll check it out. Super Brothers.
0: You know, and actually, I really love that Utopia Nemo recommended a mobile game tune because I feel like that genre, that genre, that platform mobile gaming is just not getting any attention from the sorts of people who typically pay attention to video game music and the like. I think because of this weird stigma that people have decided to attach to it. You know what? So And
1: to go along with that, I did want to um, suggest a Ninja Spinky track before, but I couldn't even find it.
0: Yeah, because no one's ripping them, I guess. They can be very difficult to find. I look forward to the Ninja Spinky track. I just like saying Spinky.
1: Yeah, it's cool.
0: All right. Well, let's go from the current future to the not so distant past with our <laughs> last recommendation.
1: That was so beautiful that I made <laughs> Thank me you. laugh. Okay.
0: I wasn't sure if it was really bad or really good when you put your head in your hands like that. This comes to us from patron Latak. The game is Wario Land 3 for the Game Boy Color. The track is A Peaceful Village Slash A Town in Chaos Day. So there must be a night version. And the composer is Kazue Ishikawa. So let's have a listen. Hawk left. No testimonial.
1: Oh, man. What a hot track to just drop on us like this. And just leave us here.
0: (laughs) Pulling of the messenger on us. Does this track remind you of anything? Of another song, not a video game song?
1: Like the Smurfs or something like that? I don't know, actually.
0: I think if it rang a bell, it would rang a really intense bell. I actually had to look up this tune on uh, YouTube and make sure it wasn't exactly the same. This sounds so similar to the Baby Elephant Walk. Oh. I'm going to have to mute it so I can sing it. The Baby Elephant Walk goes doo 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 doo.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: doo 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 It's a jazz standard. Cool. And I just, I thought that was really interesting. I was wondering if that was on purpose because it's it's got the same rhythm. It has almost the same notes or if this was just another example of a very similar tune coming out of two completely unrelated sources.
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I get that. That's cool. <laughs> I, well, I guess the question is clearly there are, inspired but was it a conscious inspiration or an unconscious inspiration i wonder
0: or maybe not at all i mean many people have pointed out the similarities between robo's theme and never going to give you up and those composers uh have claimed that they were not even aware of each other's music at the time yeah but that's so it's
1: that elephant walk song i think is a little bit more Classic, isn't it? That's
0: true. That is true. Yeah, there's much more of a potential that one would randomly come across that in their life. I love the original Wario Land. For a long time, the first Wario Land game was my favorite Mario game.
3: Oh, really? Which seems
0: kind of blasphemous because it's so different from the regular Mario style. I just loved it to pieces.
1: Well, how would you describe the difference in gameplay?
0: Wario Land was much more about exploration because you had to find the hidden keys and then find the doors that would lead you to treasure. It was slower and more plodding. It was less about pixel-perfect jumps. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, somehow it was both more slow and plodding, but also more wacky and destructive. You break everything in that game. And you're stomping on things with your butt, and so forth. Mm. It has a very interesting sense of humor, I think, is what I really like about Wario as a character. Mm -hmm. There's Mario, who's like the star child. There's Luigi, who's the, the neurotic younger sibling, right, who's trying to kind of live up to his brother. And then there's Wario, who's the disgusting, smelly man, who just doesn't care about you.
1: Do you like that? Do you appreciate that, uh...
0: (laughs) Wario's take on life? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I do. I like that he's, he's refreshingly without any kind of loyalty whatsoever.
1: This next song, this is a host track from me. I would like to recommend the game. Again, Kuruhige no Galshi Yo-Yo. This is BGM 3, and uh, last time I did BGM 01, but I think these songs are very different. Um, I wasn't really expecting this song to reappear in my brain, but it did. So anyways, let's take a listen. was I chose that other no Golf Shiyoyo track for the other episode. But then when I woke up that morning, this was the song that was in my head. And I actually forgot the cute melody from BGMO1. Even earlier today, this song just popped up in my head. I was walking out of the bathroom. I'm like, oh, that song's back. And uh, <laughs> I think what I didn't really like about it before was the uh that tense middle section
0: yep I'm there right now I know what you mean
1: cause it's like not it is golfy though but it's golfy in a different way but I was thinking like oh it doesn't have like a catchy little melody to sing along to but I still like that middle part I, I actually I like that middle part more now and the whole vibe at the beginning that chill vibe is uh
0: it's so cool cool. it's so cool and watery i feel like i'm in a a watery cave by the way who was the composer on this one the composer is unknown oh
1: okay oh yeah watery caves here i come
0: (laughs) is this a persistent problem for you to have a song stuck in your head no no, really?
1: Like a problem. It's
0: always... Oh, no. Right. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. It's Wrong like choice of words. Is this a, a chronic condition? You... Oh. You know what
1: it used to be? But now I listen to too many podcasts. And those kick music out of my head.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. How
1: sad that I would choose just uh, people talking over the music of my own heart. You know? But, <laughs>
0: Of your head and your heart. Isn't that how you put it in an episode once? Probably. The song was in my head and in my heart.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was a different me, though. I was much more open back then, you know.
0: What, like six months ago? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Wow.
1: You've changed. I was much more naive and just um, wide-eyed, ready to share rather ready to be shared with
0: you were not yet an adult childhood had not ended for you yet
1: yeah my the real estate of my heart was cheap
0: <laughs> yep i feel like we say the term real estate a lot now ever since that testimonial that's funny i do often have songs stuck in my head Wait, i'm actually very What do you mean, which testimonial? Which
1: testimonial made us say real estate a lot? Oh, that testimonial. Got it, got it. Yeah,
0: the real estate of your heart going cheap. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, wasn't that... No. That wasn't Mixix Master, was it? That was...
1: I think he was Australian, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. It was Spritz. Spritz. Although, Spritz wrote this really great comment on the blog and didn't say whether or not he was from... Australia or New Zealand And now I'm feeling a little bit nervous Because I know that that's actually Something that upsets Kiwis If you get it wrong And you think that they have an Australian accent So I'm really hoping that we didn't Accidentally offend And that was all on me too So Spritz, please forgive me If I was wrong, I didn't mean anything by it That's not all on you, it's fine
1: I think I said Australia First actually
0: you said both, but I said, I think it's Australia. I think I'm usually right. I think, so I, I think you might I right went right. all in. Okay. So I'm either going to win big or oh. I'm going to fold.
1: Oh, you know what? Um, I do have something to say before we move on, which is mm. that um, since um, we got those games from Wicked Sephiroth, Mm-hmm. I've been playing World Cup soccer a lot on Nintendo it's super fun
0: talk about it what makes it fun
1: um, it kind of for some reason they did a good job like balancing the game so the scores do come out like soccer and like most of the time when you go to the goal like it doesn't really work out it's it's just a fun game I think it's similar um, To Like River City Ransom And uh, It's not similar to those games But I think it is The same company And that dodgeball game And that volleyball game You know what I'm talking about? Super Spike V-Ball Yeah, Super Spike V-Ball that's that the game
0: is so much fun
1: That's the big head thing, right? They're like these big headed guys Maybe Who makes that game?
0: Super Spike V-Ball? Yeah. Technos. Yeah. Whoa, okay, I'm just learning, apparently, about Super Spike V-Ball. You can play as a female team, but only using a cheating device. So I don't know if they put the sprites in and then decided not to use them, or if they put them in specifically to be some kind of Easter egg. That's interesting.
1: You can play as Mm -hmm. who?
0: Um, As women. Oh, as women. In Super Spike V-Ball, all the teams are guys. It says, this is just from the Wikipedia page, four additional female teams are present in the game but are inaccessible to the player under normal conditions. Using a cheating device, the teams become selectable. Even though they are fully playable in game, the images representing the female teams in the team selection screen are missing, resulting in garbled graphics being displayed instead. They were working on it and then they abandoned that. But part of The effort still exists in the code. How cool! I'm gonna have to see if I can do that.
1: That is cool.
0: Okay, well... Guess what? What? I think I hear some noise in the broom closet. Okay. I think think we should go check out what's going on in there. (laughs) Oh, hi, Hakama! Haven't seen you around in a while. Have you just been sleeping in there? Is Hakama like a cat? She just sleeps in the broom closet all day?
1: For weeks? I don't know For weeks, like a cat.
0: <laughs> but now she wants some attention. So we have something very special. We have a Mixix by Mixix Master. I'm going to call them Mixixes. Okay. So we talked about this on an earlier show. Mixix Master explained his namesake which comes from his unique style of beatboxing and he put together a medley of tunes for us that we're going to let him uh, step up to the karaoke machine and uh, sing for us sing beat what do you call all right Mixix master whatever that word is it's time for you to do it <laughs>
4: Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> mhm <laughs>
0: That ending was so big. Yeah. That was great. Thank you, Mixix Master. That was Mixix Master, everybody. With a patented Mixix. So Josh and I were actually trying to name all the songs as we were going. We got them all except for one. The first track remains a mystery to us. But number two was a Journey to Silius tune. Three was Zelda. Four was Zelda linked to the past, and five was Super Mario Brothers.
1: Actually mostly you figured them out. I only knew the two obvious ones, but da, 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 well,
0: that's you know fifty percent
1: yeah, but you knew all the ones that I knew, so I wasn't really helping you. you know what I mean it doesn't matter. thanks for giving me credit for doing <laughs> yeah, nothing. <sure.
4: laughs>
0: I had to think about the Journey to the Silius one, though. That's such a good tune. That was so cool. This actually makes me think. So first of all, that mystery track, Patrons, help us out. What's that first track? And this also, this kind of makes me feel like this might be kind of fun to have Mixxmaster put together a montage that we then have to guess or that the patrons have to guess. What if we kind of put them up on our site somewhere?
1: Yeah, Totally. Well, that's fun.: Oh, I see what you mean, like in the future, make uh, posts that are just like guesses track posts or something.: yeah the,
0: the the mixix challenge.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: Yes, or something like that.: I, I would mean, love that. I can't say we're going to give out any prizes, but I feel like I feel like the patrons are the kind of people who would just like that kind of they want that kind of challenge, you know they mm-hmm. want to be challenged and they want to put in the quarter. And prove themselves.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And also, if you can if you know the first track, see if you can be the first to name it in the comments section.
0: Yeah, please. That's driving me crazy. I know I know it. There are little little flashes of realization that happen while I'm listening to it, but I just can't I can't make it work in my head. I also kind of want to point out how good Miix Masters transitions are. You know, he's oh, not just yeah. like, here's tune one, here's tune two. He he really thinks about how he's going to make the drums and the, um, the musical statements kind of fit together. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yep. Yep. All right. I was kind of thinking about doing a segment here, but this episode is really long. No, let's should we go for it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so in the uh, in the spirit of Burger Time time mm-hmm. and Pokemon Goes, mm-hmm. we're going to start up a temporary segment called Reading the Runes. Where I talk about these ultimate adventures that are consuming me completely. I am so obsessed with this game, I can't even tell you. So, I'm trying to remember where we last left off when I was describing... I was just describing putting all the pieces together and things like that. I am... I finally found the last town, which took forever. And... I've mapped everything out, I'm kind of putting the pieces together, and I'm still drifting off to sleep at night and waking up and going, I understand why the dungeons are connected. Just having these, what I'm now calling... Um, Ultima epiphanies where I'm just struck with how things are still new to me even though I feel like I I have to have done it all by now. I have to know it all by now. Um, The other night, I went into a, a dungeon for the first time so I kind of focused on just doing quests on the surface of the world, which just involved talking to people and getting information from people and knowing who to go to to find out information. But I went into my first dungeon, and the dungeons are first person perspective. So it looks like doom down there. But it's when you press, you know, forward, you move forward by a screen. So it's not even smooth moving, you know what I mean?
3: Uh-huh.
0: And first-person dungeon crawling like this is so difficult for me to do. It's even just difficult for me to understand when I'm driving around in the world which direction I'm pointed in. So I was really trying to uh, find a way to make this make sense in terms of mapping, because up to this point, I've been looking at towns from the the air, you know, an aerial view. That's very easy to map, but this first-person perspective thing was really messing me up. So I actually, at night, went out to a pharmacy to buy graph paper (laughs) so that I could map my way through these dungeons. I have not graphed a dungeon since I was in middle school. (laughs) So I I almost bought gel pens too. I was there in the stationary aisle and I was like, I'm going to get this graph paper. Ooh, they have gel pens. If I'm going full on middle school, I might as well get the gel pens. I didn't get the gel pens though. Oh no. I know. Well, I have all these colored pencils at home that also harken from that era, so I pulled out my pencil sharpener, pulled out my old Prismacolor pencils back from when I used to draw all the time, and I've been using that to color my maps so that I know where the ladders are and which direction the ladders go and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I was probably having like the closest thing to a, like a substance-inspired uh, flashback that one could have while I was there in my retro room, mapping a dungeon, smelling those pencils. It was like, it was totally 2000 all over again for me. But anyway, it was a complete success. I understand what I'm doing in the dungeons now because that works for me to actually do it on, on graph paper. And I've just been having the best time, but it was a, it's a completely new gameplay approach. I'd spent like three full days doing everything on the surface that I possibly could, putting together all this dialogue, following trails, doing detective work. And then I get into the dungeons and I have to learn a completely new way of interfacing with this game. And it was, I mean, this game is so demanding of you, you know, you just constantly have to be investing a ton of effort and time into it. And the fact that I actually went out and bought graph paper to do it, I think was a testament to how how deep I am in this, that I wasn't like, oh, forget it, I'm so tired. You know, sometimes you play a game and they throw something completely new at you in the last level and you're like, oh, what a cheap trick. But this was just like, I can do this. I'm an avatar. I am an avatar right now. I've maxed out all my virtues. What?
1: What? Oh, so you're... Wait, isn't that the goal of the game?
0: So, yeah, I mean, partly... And I thought that that was the goal of the game, but again, you just keep discovering more and more stuff. So the point of the game is to max out your virtues and become the best person. But there are other things that I have to do, and I have to, you know, it's kind of like as I'm going, I'm discovering that there's something bigger going on. I don't even know how the game is going to end, you know? Like, I don't feel like the game is traditional enough that I can count on there being a final boss and yet I did get magical armor and magical weapons that I'm going to assume can only be used against it's, it's gonna be like my assumption is it's gonna be the only thing that can do damage to the final enemy mm. but I don't really know if the game is even set up that way I'm wondering if maybe the last thing I'm gonna come across in the game is some kind of temptation or something like will you be the hero Or will you not? And not have it focus on taking down some kind of evil villain, if that makes any sense. What
1: if you already beat the game, just like you assume, but there's just a bunch of side quests that are what you're doing now?
0: (laughs) Maybe. Would I be disappointed? Is that what you're asking me? No, not that... Would you? Would I be disappointed? No. Because I'm still having an experience with it. Cool. It's actually something I realized. So, you know, you have to do things to max out your virtues. You can't lie because that will take away from your honesty. You can't run from battle because that will take away honor and valor, that kind of thing. Why so would you mac- ever
1: lie in the game?
0: Because you can get information that way.
1: Why would you- Like, But knowing that it will, like, make it so you can't win, is it, is it even a temptation?
0: It will make it so that you can't win. I don't. I don't think there's a point of no return, but I think you can basically reduce your virtues to zero. But you can build them back up again. They actually say this in the manual, the the lore book. It says something like, "Even those who have strayed from the path can find their way again." So I like that too. There's this message of all is all is never lost. You always have time to better yourself at any point, mm. even if you you know. And I I do know people whose play style of Ultima is to do a lot of bad things in the beginning, and then become a better person because it actually makes playing the game easier. Mm. Um, so that's kind of an interesting, an interesting conundrum. But um, what was I going to say about maxing out these, these virtues? Oh, that I did it before I even did a dungeon crawl, and you can lose your virtues if you you know go against their their principles too much and i've kind of made things even more difficult for myself like i guess the normal player would be maxing out their virtues while doing the dungeon part but i'm perfect now so i go into the dungeons and i have to be perfect you know i can't if there's only one entry into a room and there are eight bats in it and bats are not evil creatures I can't just kill them because it's going to take away from my compassion and I might lose that virtue. So I got to figure out another way. And I feel incredibly compelled to work very hard at that as opposed to just taking the easy way out, which is the point of the game. But man, I recruited this guy. You can get party members in your party who exemplify different virtues. I recruited a guy and I specifically didn't level him up because I want him to be really weak. (laughs) So that he can basically, he is my my non-evil creature shepherder. So if there are non-evil creatures in the room, I send Dupre over there without any weapons. So he can basically just like shove a bat and just upset it enough that it wants to run away. And then he like shoes them out with his bare hands. So all my other characters just kind of like hang out. They just shift left and right to pass their turn. They don't fire. And we just wait for Dupre to herd all the bats out of the room. And then we can continue. This takes freaking forever. But I love that it's taking forever because that's the whole point. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be hard to get money. It's easy to just steal from people, but you're not supposed to do that, so. Wow. So that's where I am right now. Going through the dungeons. Cool. Gathering some stones. And then um, I'll probably report back with what the the end of the game is like.
1: Yes. I... You must
0: I must must. I'm putting you to sleep here
1: I didn't realize I just looked up Ultima 4 To look at some graphics while you were talking And I did not realize I don't know why I didn't realize it But just how archaic These graphics are Yes. You're describing all this This amazing adventure you're having But it is so representational
0: Yes it is And
1: it's uh, aesthetic style
0: Anyways. It is so representational that my sprite has no transparency, so I do not see the background behind me. I'm just a person on a black rectangle that, <laughs> that moves along oh, right. over the overworld, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's funny. And also, just before we move on, imagine also that I'm playing this on an amber screen, so I don't see color.
3: Oh. Wow. So, just
0: imagine all those graphics as yellow, which is actually a problem because sometimes colors are important. So, I'm also having a, a side experience of what it's like to be colorblind and playing video games because I'm like, <laughs> is that energy field poison? Is it fire? I don't know. Dupre, you go step in it.
1: How many times? <laughs> and then we find you, out. Have you had what? to revive Dupre a lot?
0: Um, not so much. He's actually strong. He's a paladin, oh, okay. so he can he can take a beating. But I have had characters get dead on me, and I'm like, when did they die? And it's because I they got poisoned at some point, and I wasn't aware. The um, and not to keep going, this will be really quick. The music is from the sound card, but the sound effects are still through the external speaker of the computer. So the the music sounds really beautiful, but then you get the like. K- k- really loud stuff as you're like tromping through the fields and whatever. Mm. So when I'm playing at night and my husband is asleep, I turn the sound effects off because they're just way too jarring and loud and there's no volume control.
3: Mm. When
0: I turn off the sound effects, I don't know when I'm poisoned Uh... because there's no other indication except for a really horrible... (laughs) So all of a sudden I'll be like, YOLO, what happened to you? Why are you dead? Oh... Sorry, I didn't realize you were poisoned. Now I got to drop 300 bucks I didn't, to revive you.
1: I didn't hear the sound of poison.
0: <laughs> yes, I didn't hear you screaming for help. Sorry, YOLO. I'm kind of hard of hearing and colorblind. So anyway, that's that. Did
1: you know in 2014, historian Jimmy Mayer or Mar, called Ultima IV, a transcendent masterwork, and estimated that the virtues influenced hundreds of thousands of players to live better lives, but criticized its staggeringly difficult nature and pretty boring
0: gameplay. I did know this only because I just read that Wikipedia article the other day. It's so funny. I was interested to see the reception. It made hundreds of thousands
1: of people better, but it's pretty boring. That's,
0: That's funny. the point. Being good is hard. Yeah. It's a slog.
1: Yeah. Oh, to slog. Oh, to slog towards that great castle in the sky. But let's uh, slog to the end of this episode.
0: Yes, let us thank today's recommenders Electric Boogaloo, Ed, ruiner 9 Mega J, Nemo, and Latak.
1: And don't forget Mixxmaster for sending in that yeah. hype track. Woo! And everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions, keep them coming. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button. Or go to submit.thevgmjukebox.com to send your recommendations our way. Send us an email at insertcoin at thevgmjukebox.com. Or snail mail at the VGM Jukebox, P.O. Box 26959, Los Angeles, California, 90026.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want to find us individually and follow Josh's Pokemon Go adventures and my Ultima experiences, Josh is at Josh Adachi again, and I am at Keglyph.
1: Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other place and please remember to rate and review us at the iTunes store. Please.
0: Please, oh, that's it? Eddie. <laughs> I thought there was more. It oh. sounded like you were going to say more.
1: I couldn't think of it. Well, you know, um, if you do that, it might make it easier for other people to find this podcast, and it'll make the podcast better, and it'll make you more popular and attractive.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Guaranteed. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the VGM Jukebox. Be sure to check the bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music and video game and podcast related projects your patrons are up to. We've got something going right now that you might be interested in. And um, if you want to get something on our bulletin board, do not hesitate to send us an email or contact us through any of our channels and we will get you set up. And,
1: you know, so, we weren't changing the sign-off, but yes. then somebody said they actually liked the sign-off.
0: They did!
1: Let's do so, it! So,
0: Wait, hold on. You know, huh. I feel like I had an idea about it. Um, mm. Instead of saying, you mean so much to us, maybe it can be something slightly less about us, you know? Like your memories mean so much, and they always will, or something like that. Because oh. that's what that's what we're about, right? Um. I mean, we can think about it, what's... but I was thinking about, you know, thanking everybody for contributing their their thoughts and their experiences to what becomes this podcast.
1: Mm. Yeah, because this podcast is all about meaning something to the world, and it's all about um, making the world a better place. By boring them, right?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. The staggering difficulty and boredom of this podcast will influence hundreds of thousands of people into being better.
1: Um, well, I get what you're saying, that yes, we do uh, believe that your testimonies do make the world a better f- place and are meaningful to others, but I also think that it's okay for us to step back inside of ourselves and our subjective experience as hosts to say no matter what this means for anybody else you've meant a lot to us by being a part of this you know
0: that's so sweet and it's true alright let's stick with it for now and we may just wind up sticking with it there's a lot of sugar in that so it's sticky yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: (laughs) So, that said, patrons, you mean so much to us.
1: And you always will.
5: Greetings fellow patrons, Capsule J here. Would you be interested in playing a classic video game in a new and interesting way while supporting a great cause? If so, how about joining me and thousands of other philanthropic retro gamers by taking part in the 4-Job Fiesta. The 4-Job Fiesta is a special playthrough of Final Fantasy V that raises funds for the Child's Play charity. What makes the Fiesta different from a regular game of Final Fantasy V is that the character classes of each participant's party are randomly generated by the event's unpredictable moderator bot, Gilgabot. Will you steamroll your enemies with a powerful team of knights, monks, and mages? Or have to get creative and figure out how to slay dragons with a crew of only bards and chemists? Only the fickle hand of fate knows. Registration for the 4-Job Fiesta is open now, and the event begins on June 19th. If you'd like to learn more about the 4-Job Fiesta, or sign up to participate, please visit 4 Also, if you're interested in playing concurrently with me, hit me up on Twitter, at CapsuleJ. that's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of you out there on the Chocobo Trail.